Welcome to Parker's MMA Show. If you want to learn about all things going down in the fight world, you've come to the right place. Each episode, your host, Parker Keene, will take a deeper dive into the always entertaining world of sanctioned fist fighting. Now here's your host, Parker Keene. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Parker's MMA Show. This is episode number 71. Very special guest on today. We have Dalton Rosta. He is the fastest rising star in Bellator's middleweight division, Parker, period. End of story right there. He's 5-0, and all five wins in the Bellator cage. He's coming off a dominant win this past Friday at Bellator 256 over Tony Johnson. He's sure to get a top 10 matchup next. Very, very excited to talk to him. Dalton, thank you for coming back on the show. Recurring guest, Dalton Rosta. Yeah, it's uh, it's Rasta, but uh, I appreciate you guys having me back on the show. I'm glad to be back. Absolutely. All right, Billy, let's get right into so, it. So, Dalton, talk to me about this Tony Johnson fight. How would you rate your performance, and did the fight go as you expected it to go? So, I would rate my performance, you know, probably a seven. You know, I... I think I did some good things, but I, I could have did a lot of stuff better. Um, besides that, though, I, I kind of expected the fight to go that way. So my prediction of a first-round knockout was based on the fact that I was expecting him to come out there a little bit desperate early. And I was waiting for him. I was waiting him out, waiting him out, waiting him out. And I was going to try and catch him with a big shot whenever he got desperate, whenever he started coming forward with some heat, you know. And... Uh, that never happened. You know, I figured he's later in his career. Um, I, he's fighting an up and coming prospect. Like it's now or never for him. So, and whenever I was looking at his social media, when I was listening to his, his interviews, everything else, he was talking about coming out hot. He's talking about fireworks. He's talking about all this other stuff, talking a big, big game. So I was like, he's going to come out and try to get the finish. And that leaves him open to get finished, you know? And you guys seen all night long, I was a lot faster than him. Uh, I was countering him a lot, you know, and uh, that was that was the game plan. But I was hoping he was coming out more aggressive, left himself more open, and I could have hit that big overhand right or a head kick or something like that and got the knockout. But um, he played it more strategically. He uh, played it more technically and tactically. And uh, you've seen the fight play out the way it did. Um, in the lead up, it kind of seemed like the media and everything was kind of hyping up his boxing. Was your game plan to come in there and show, you know, how good of a boxer you are and, you know, the skills that you've got on your feet? Because it kind of in the lead up and in the interviews and stuff I heard, it just seemed like everyone in the media was kind of sleeping on your boxing compared to his. Yeah, everybody, like even, uh, even in the media the week of the fight, they were asking me, you know, how much wrestling do you think I'm going to do or are you going to do? And uh, how much do, is my wrestling going to play a part in him, with him having this boxing pedigree and him having this knockout of Joe Schilling? Uh, how do I plan to deal with that? And, was, and you you heard also Josh Thompson on the Weighing In podcast saying before the fight, he was like, he was talking to Big John, you know, Big John was like saying like, you know, Dalton Rasta has a golden glove background in boxing as well. He was undefeated as an amateur. And just Josh Thompson shut that down right away. He was like, I don't care what he was. You know, and he started mocking it. He said he could be golden glove, whatever. If he chooses to stand with Tony Johnson, he's going to be in trouble. 
you know, and I heard all this stuff, but I wasn't out there to prove a point. You know, I was going out there to fight. I was flowing. I was letting the fight take place how it went. I felt comfortable wherever. If you wanted to stand, I was going to stand. If the takedowns presented themselves and I felt like I needed them, I was going to take them. But I was a lot faster than him on the feet. And I realized that very early on. And uh, I, I chose to keep the fight standing most of the time because I had the advantage there. And I also had the advantage with the wrestling. I beat him everywhere. This is mixed martial arts. I keep saying over and over and over again. People ask me, are you a wrestler? Like, what's your background? I'm like, I, I, yeah, I grew up wrestling. But I also started boxing when I was 12 years old. A lot of people say my wrestling is better than my boxing. But I would say I'm becoming more of a complete mixed martial artist more than anything. I can't sway one way or another. It all depends on what my opponent gives me. And the matchup, you know, is what I'm going to do that fight. But overall, I think I'm well-rounded. And I don't think anything in my game is significantly better than the other. And I think we've seen a lot of that on last Friday. And the fight before that with Ty Gordo, too. Same thing. People were talking a lot. Like, this is a dangerous striker. He throws flying knees. I'm curious to see how Dalton Ross is able to do against him. You know, I outstruck him, too. And now you give me Tony Johnson, 10-1 professional boxer, 9-2 professional MMA, hasn't lost since 2011, contender series win, knocked out Joe Schilling, uh, world-class kickboxer, accolade after accolade. And I sat there and outstriked him, you know, outstruck him. I, and mainly with just the jab all fight long, you know. Somebody made a, a clip, a two-minute clip of me just striking all, all match long. And a lot of the time it was, it was jab, out, he threw something, I was out jab again flip or out and he threw again and he missed so it was like i touch him he misses i touch him he misses then reset you know and that's how it was all night long and uh at the end of the fight you seen the the numbers out struck him and the boxing numbers the punches it looked a little bit closer but obviously that counts the little dinky punches he's landing against the cage whenever i'm in on a double leg or anything if they broke those up obviously i won the boxing exchanges too so uh, I think I made a big statement, you know, and against a polished striker like that, somebody with that experience in boxing, 22 professional fights, hasn't lost in 10 years, trains at AKA, trains with all these good wrestlers, has this boxing pedigree. I, I think I shut a lot of people up. For sure. How how do you approach a fight when there's a lead up and, you know, you have the media and everyone talking shit about, you know, hey, this guy's a, such a better striker or whatever than Dalton. Do you take that into the fight or you – you just try to go in there kind of level-headed and show what you can do? No, I, I don't take it in the fight. So this is what I, I – I, everybody has a game plan until they get punched in the mouth. You know, Mike Tyson was famous for saying that. And that's absolutely true. So I don't go in with a game plan. You know, there's things we work on that if we get there during the fight, during camp, when we work on this stuff, if we get there, we're going to use this. If this presents itself, we're going to use it. Well, when I go into the fight and we first touch – well, I don't touch gloves with people, but that, that belt – first rings and we go center of the cage you know i usually have a good feel of how the fight's going to go right away you see me take the center of the cage with tony johnson he started circling out on the outside you know so right away i was like i have him beat you know he's going to be running from me most of the fight he was scared to pull the trigger and uh you know that's why i i boxed him as much as i did and i obviously had that speed advantage like i said but did you feel that right away? Did you feel that? Yeah. Because I, I literally like a minute into the fight, I texted Billy and I'm like, Dalton is so much faster and stronger than this dude just after the first couple exchanges. So that's something, do you just feel that right away and then you just build on that? Yeah. Bro, the first jab I hit him back with when I slipped my head off to the right side because all, and the thing is I would have changed it up 
if he made me change it up. But all fight long, he didn't make me change it up. You know, he kept letting me slip my head off the right side and throw the jab. Hit him with the jab. And he kept throwing the jab over my shoulder. So it just was like this. All fight long, and I was just snapping his head back with the jab. He didn't make me change it up. He didn't force me to change it up, you know. He didn't adapt during the fight. So I kept doing it. And, you know, after the second, third one, I'm like, I don't know if you guys noticed, but I was talking during the fight. A lot of people kept asking me, what were you saying? You know, after I had a, a body jab, and I hit him with a, a jab to the face, and I hit him with a body jab, and he won the, uh, that hook, that hook he knocked uh, Joe Schilling out with, out after me. And I just got out of range, you know. And I was like, come on, you're not going to hit me. I pointed at him. I was like, come on, you're not going to hit me with that. And he didn't say anything. You know, I could tell he was in my head. You, you could tell he was a little intimidated or he didn't want to talk back. And then later in the round, uh, he threw a head kick. And I blocked it. You know, it had some heat behind it. Don't get me wrong. You know, I felt it whenever I blocked it. But I blocked it. And it was slow. I seen it coming. So I blocked it. And right after I blocked it, and I was like, come on, bro. That was slow. You're going to have to be faster than that. And still nothing back. You know, I was in there having fun. I was in there having a good time. I was talking shit. Uh, I was displaying my boxing. I got to wrestle as much. I wrestled as much as I wanted to. You know, I took him down. He was able to build back up on the cage. But there was uh there was one time where I held him down for about 30 seconds after I took him down, and he got his arm out on the other side and built himself back up. But I knew he was good there after watching the Alton Cunningham fight, and he trains with DC and Luke Rockwood and all those guys out there who have good wrestling and are good against case. I expected him to be good there, and I wasn't going to waste energy trying to hold him down. I guarantee I could have, but why waste my energy when I could outstrike him too? So, uh, as you guys said, I wasn't, to answer you guys' questions, I wasn't really out there to prove a point about my boxing, but like I said, how the fight went, I felt comfortable everywhere. So, I was just going to flow through the fight and address things as they came up. So let's talk a little bit about that, right? Like, obviously, you put in a ton of work. You have your coaching in Pennsylvania. You have American Top Team, you know, some of the best coaches in the world. What's the biggest improvement that you made between Pro Fight 4 and Pro Fight 5 that, that allowed you to be so comfortable in the cage? You know, because the, the step up in competition, um, you know, I, I, I spoke my respect for Tony Johnson during fight week and everything. Uh, but he, he, he truly was. He was a step up competition, even from Ty Gwerter. Um, he had a little bit more power. He had a, more of a better boxing, pedi- a better boxing pedigree. Uh, he trained at a, what I believe is a better, better gym, and he had 22 pro fights experience. So it was a big step up in competition, and he had better take down the fence. He was going to cause more problems in the cage. I was expecting it to be a tough fight. But for me to go in there and win all three rounds on all three judges' scorecards and getting the end's decision, 3-0 shutout, 30-27, I mean, it just shows how much I'm improving. With a step-up in competition like that at a gym like that, and for me to go in there and 30-27 him and just outbox him, beat him at his own game, everybody thinks I'm a wrestler and beat him at his own game, it just goes to show how much I'm growing. And some of the some of the different stuff I pulled out, like the, the calf kick and the spinning the spinning kick to the face, where I hit him in the face with. I got a nice picture on my phone that I plan on posting pretty soon where he got his glove in between, but his face was still smushed back like this. You know, it was a, I, I landed that one. Wish it would have got through his glove and got a knockout out of it. But uh, I got to show a few new weapons, you know, out of there. And I got to show that not only was I there to outstrike him, but I could outbox him as well. And I could take him down whenever I wanted to. I landed four takedowns on him. Uh, and I can't, I, 
can't remember the last time I seen him take him down in a fight. Paul Alton Cunningham tried taking him down probably 10 times in his fight on, on contender series, couldn't take him down. And I did it four times. And after I heard, I was told Josh Thompson was telling people that Daniel Cormier can't even take him down anymore. And I did it four times in 15 minutes. So, that I mean, that goes to show you how much I'm growing. So, you, you come off of this amazing performance, right? And you get to the back, and you had you were hot in that post-fight interview with the media. I mean, that was one of the most electric interviews I've seen you give. And you're coming hard at Romero Cotton, right? Yeah. What, what is the beef with Romero Cotton, or is it just the rankings? And, and that's really what it's about. It's not, it's not really so much a beef, but, you know, I'm here to – I'm not – I'm not here to, you know, do do what I'm told and bell towards my boss and say you're gonna fight this person next. I want to pick my shots, you know. And this dude's ranked number nine. I'm not. It's not like I'm calling out some bum, you know. We were actually slated the fight before, and he pulled out, you know. And then he he talks in his interviews acting like he was supposed to fight that Justin Sumter dude for ten months, and he didn't get any new name in between. He he seemed to admit my name, you know. And then, uh, so he pulled out of a fight. He just didn't want to fight, you know. And uh, that kind of got swept under the rug. And then he gets a number nine ranking next to his name. So I was a little salty about it, for one. But two, now, I mean, it's not even about any frustration, like some people thought, or saltiness or anything. It's just the fact he got a number nine next to his name. I want to fight a top ten guy. So why not the person I was supposed to fight before anyways? Why not Romero Cotton, somebody who's also 5-0? and Five and zero versus five and zero. Somebody's O has to go, and I guarantee you, it's not mine. Hey, how pumped are you? Uh, I was going to ask him real quick. How, how pumped are you about the the ranking systems in Bellator? Because that seems to be something they had been lacking, and in, in our eyes, we've talked about it a lot. But I think it's just going to bring a lot of clarity to the divisions. Yeah, I think it's amazing for the promotion, you know, because yeah. it makes matchmaking easier. It gives fighters a better sense of where they're at. It gives more notoriety to the fighters. Now you have a number next to the name whenever you're matching these fights up, and fans get a little bit more excited about it. You know, now fans can look at the rankings and see who's where, and then they can look at the rankings and be like, "I want to see this person versus this person." And then you get them saying it so much on Bellator's posts and stuff, and then you get that fight. You know, and it's just it's it, like you said, it brings more clarity, and I, I mean, it makes me excited. You know, I'm always up for the rankings. I'm always reading reading on that stuff. I'm always reading on the betting odds and. Coaches are always telling me don't look into that stuff. But that stuff, like me as a fan of the sport, I like seeing that stuff too. You know, I fight, but yeah, I'm still a fan of the sport. I still watch other fights every weekend. You know, I like looking at that stuff too. So I'm waiting for these these, these rankings to come out today. They were supposed to come out yesterday, but last week they did Tuesday. So I was assuming they're doing the same thing this week. Still haven't seen anything to this point. And uh, I'm hoping they come out by the end of the night. And hopefully my name's in in that top 10, you know, in my eyes, it should be above Romero Cotton's. And, but if it's not, even if it's the number 10 spot, it's cool because after I beat Romero Cotton next, if he chooses to accept, which I don't think he will, I'll be up up a spot above him at least anyways. So, so obviously, Dalton, we, we know you're a confident guy and with good reason, but what about the, the Cotton fight specifically, stylistically makes you so confident that, that you can beat him? How do you think that goes? How does it look for the fans? All right, I, I can tell you one thing. If they're talking about Daniel Cormier not being able to take Tony Johnson down, and I took him down four times in the fight, I could tell you Romero Cotton's not taking him down at practice either. And I could tell you by his boxing pedigree and watching 
Romero caught in fight on his feet and how uncomfortable he looks and how frantic he is to get it to the ground and reaching that leg leg kicks and you know shooting in desperately that he's not comfortable on his feet and Tony Johnson probably whoops his ass on his feet too so he's probably watching this fight I just watched his fight and he sees my call out of him he's probably thinking I don't know what to do you know and even if he's not thinking that and he's thinking he could beat me he's wrong you know I watch him fight I see so many holes in his game I'm a better striker than him and I'm a better wrestler I don't care about his wrestling pedigree two-time three-time NCAA champ whatever he is I watched him wrestle he's good don't get me wrong I'm not going to take anything from him but I'm a better wrestler than he is too and a lot of people will look at our accolades look at our background and stuff and say he's a better wrestler all right let's get in the cage together and we'll see do you think there's a big difference between you know someone like that who has all the NCAA athletes in the world and someone like yourself who's not only a, a great wrestler but a great wrestler designed for MMA yeah I'm, I there's a big difference you know uh wrestling obviously works in the sport of mma but the translation and the transition from actually wrestling itself into mma and how you're able to mix things up matters you know being able to go from striking to taking down from taking down to striking using each other uh conversely to help each other and to set things up you know and he in my eyes doesn't have the experience and doesn't have the comfortability yet to do either of those you know it's either he's striking or he's wrestling he's doing one or the other he's not mixing them up he's not doing them together he's not meshing them together where you look at me i'm comfortable everywhere and believe me nobody's taking me down yet but if i ever end up there you know i'm comfortable on my back too i submit a lot of guys on their back in the gym on my back gym all down and one, I don't think he could take me down. If anything, he should be scared of me taking him down. And if for whatever reason I were to end up there, he's still in trouble. You know, still in trouble. So, Dalton, if, if that fight doesn't come together, have you put some thought to any other big names in the top of that division? Yeah, I look at the top ten. Charlie Ward, Mike Shipman, any of those guys that are directly above me. Johnny Eblin's at six. That's my teammate. I'm not going to fight him or Austin Vanderford unless it's for a title shot. Those are my boys. We continue to let get each other better every day. We train with each other all the time. I'm not here to fight them, you know. If Bellator tries matching us up, we're going to tell our we're going to tell our uh, Dan Lambert at the gym, tell him to find a new opponent, you know. We're not I'm not trying to take any money off their plate. They're not trying to take any money off my plate or they're not trying to take food off my plate. Period, you know. And so or vice versa. At the end of the day, we're all trying to be champions and it makes no sense for us to fight each other. Because we're all three on the way up. We're all three undefeated. And we're all three going to be at the top of the division. I can tell you, I train with these guys every day. All three of us are going to be top of the division. So the only sense it makes for any of us to fight each other is if it's going to be for a title shot or it's actually for the title. So let's talk about the Bellator middleweight division a little bit, Dalton. Who do you think should be next for a title shot? So Austin, speaking of Austin, him and uh, Fabian Edwards are fighting – May 21st. I'm sure you guys have seen that. Uh, I think the winner of him and Fabian Edwards, which I believe it'll be Austin, uh, will fight. I, I think what Van Steen is already beating Fabian Edwards if he fights John Salter. Well, I believe him and John Salter already fought. John Salter beat him. So I think that that actually puts Austin Vanderford versus John Salter. The winner of that gets Musasi. At least in my eyes, I think that's how the matchmaking should work. But, uh, 
Who knows? Maybe they do after this. They do Austin versus Van Stenis, and they do Salter versus Musasi, and then the winner of the championship gets the winner of uh, Austin versus Van Stenis. So there's two ways I think you put that together. Who's a guy in the top ten right now who you would say is the most overrated guy? Where you think there's a lot of hype behind him, or people think he's really good, and you're kind of like, hey, whatever. That's a tough one, but I would have to say Romero Cotton. I have to say Romero Cotton. And then conversely, who's a guy who you think doesn't get enough love? Who you're like, this guy's really good and he's underrated. I think Ed Ruth. You know, they're basing off a few mistakes he made in fights where he got a little bit um, too cocky or uh, got too ahead of himself, either him or Johnny Eplin, you know. Uh, Johnny Eplin, I mean, his ranking's good now, but before these rankings came out, that's from the the media, you know. But as far as marketing and pushing-wise, I think Johnny doesn't get enough love either. And then if you took yourself out of it, who do you think is the Bellator middleweight champion at the end of the year? End of this year? I think still Musasi at the end of this year. Uh, based on how, because Musasi's probably only going to fight once. He's later in his career. So uh, I think they'll probably give him John Salter next. And I think he beats John Salter. And then, like I said, I think uh, the winner of, after Austin beats Fabian, I think the winner of Austin and Van Steenis gets... Musasi next year. So, Dalton, let's let's talk about you for the rest of the year. Kind of what are what are your goals? I heard you. Um, I think you were talking to the matchmaker over there at Bellator, saying you wanted to fight four or five more times this year. Um, what are your goals for the rest of twenty twenty one? I start picking apart people in the top ten. You know, from here on out, it's top ten. Romero caught next if he accepts. Work my way up the ladder. You got Charlie Ward. You got Marsh, Mark, Mike Shipman. Keep working up, you know, because I'm I just finished my first fight on the contract before fights. Maricott in second, boom, six and now. Mike Shipman third or Charlie Charlie Ward third. Either one of them, boom, seven and zero. Whichever one I didn't fight there, fight them next, eight and zero. You know, but uh, yeah, I that that's what I think. I think six and zero after Maricott and seven and zero. Mike Jones left eight and zero after that. Renew my contract and start looking at that. Start looking at who's left in the, you know, top five. You know, Fabian Edwards, Van Steenis, you know, John Salter, and uh, I mean, I'm sure Johnny Eplin will be fighting one of those three too. So, uh, or Austin will be fighting one of those three too. We get all three of us are going to be in there, and then the winner of those, you know, if Austin isn't the champ already, if he didn't fight Musasi at this time next year. Uh, We'll see how it goes. You know, at that point, is business. Awesome. Well, Dalton, thank you so much for coming on. We got one one more segment here. We got a rapid fire segment. Try and do something not about MMA. So uh, I got five questions here. I know you're a Newcastle, Pennsylvania native. So I got five Pennsylvania themed rapid fire questions for you. They get progressively more difficult as time goes on, just like a five round fight. So. Um, let me know when you're ready. I'm ready. Let me hear All it. right. First question, the easiest one. Are you a Sheets or a Wawab guy? Sheets, for sure. Question two, which high school sport is the best in Pennsylvania? Wrestling, by far, not even close. Three, 
Who is your favorite sports team from Pennsylvania? Pittsburgh Steelers. Four. What is the one food you must eat if you ever visit Pennsylvania? Ooh. One food you must eat if you ever vis- visit Pennsylvania. Um, I would say Primanti Brothers. You have to. You have to. And your last question, this is the hardest one. Finish this sentence. Pennsylvania is special because... Pennsylvania is special because it's the greatest state there is, you know, whenever it comes to sport. We're, we're turning out uh, national champ after national champ for wrestling. You know, football is great here. You know, Division One prospects everywhere. You know, now MMA scene's coming up. You got guys in the UFC. You got guys in Bellator. You got me and Cody Law, Steve Mowry, Worthy. And uh, on top of that, our food here is amazing. You got, like you said, many brothers, Italian food around here is amazing. It's, I'm from an Italian town. My hometown, Newcastle, PA, is firework capital of the world, hot dog capital of the world. You can Google both of those. Uh, you know, it's I the scenery up here, the mountains, everything. The it's it's awesome. The change the change in seasons, the just the city. The watching, looking at Pittsburgh from Mount Washington. You know, being up there, looking at that view, seeing the city. You know, having Pittsburgh Steelers as our team with six rings. You know, being the best football franchise. Besides maybe New England, uh, in the history of the sport, you know it's uh, it's a really great state, man. You heard it here from from the man himself, Dalton Rasta. I got it this time, Rasta. Dalton, let, let people know where they can find you on social media and any shout-outs you may have. Uh, Dalton underscore Rasta on Instagram, Dalton Rasta on Twitter. And uh, for my shout-outs, I'd like to thank my sponsors, Armina, Armina Stone, uh, Arius Agencies, Avid, uh, uh, Ideal Integrations, and Scooter King. Uh, besides that, my, my coach, Isaac Greeley, for uh, always helping me, helping me get to where I am. Uh, Mike Brown for helping me out and coming in my corner. Uh, they've been nothing but generous and helpful and helped me got better, get better over time. And uh, also Anderson Fra- Franca, even though he wasn't able to be in my corner. Uh, he helped me all throughout camp, and uh, I'm getting progressively better with those three coaches, and it's going to continue to be that way. Awesome, man. Well, it was great to hear from you. It was, thank you so much for coming on the show again. You know, we're we're happy to have you on and, and make this a recurring thing where, uh, you know, you keep winning and keep coming on the show. We can make a, make a habit of this. So uh, thank you so much. I'm Billy Maiden. He's Dalt Rasta. That's Parker Keen. This was episode 71 of Parker's MMA show. Like, share, subscribe. Uh, Dalton, again, thank you. And uh, until next time. Awesome. Thank you. Looking forward to seeing you guys after six and a half. There you go. Good luck, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Texas Trees is the premier tree care company in the DFW area. Whether you need basic maintenance or specialized services, when it comes to trees, we've got you covered. Pruning, chipping, bracing, and cabling, even root barriers and disease control, we do it all. And if you aren't sure what you need, we have certified arborists on staff to point you in the right direction. Visit us at NorthTexasTrees.net. That's NorthTexasTrees.net. Thanks for listening to Parker's MMA Show. Take a moment to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts 
and visit Parker Keen's MMA show.podbean.com for additional information on Parker and to stay up to date on the latest drama in the fight world. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out the show notes. 